0: To the Foundations Church podcast. have the opportunity to go to Africa, uh, you will pick up pretty quick that when they do introductions, they say, I'm born again, I love Jesus, and this is my first wife. They say first wife because sometimes they have multiple wives, okay? Well, I love Jesus, I'm born again, this is my first and only wife, <laughs> Bailey, and we are just overjoyed to be with you guys today. Um, we, I think you guys know this, we love you, and we believe in what God's doing at Foundations Church. And thank you so much for just having a heart for Jesus and a heart to reach people. Um, Without further ado, I'll talk about Kenya a little bit in my message today, but I just want to jump right into the Word of God today. Uh, Pastor Justin sent me a text message this morning, and he said he's praying for us. He will be here next Sunday for Easter. We're believing God to do amazing things, many people to come into the kingdom, right? So he's got a great word, but today you got to put up with me, all right? So we are going to look at Acts chapter 6, and we are going to do a biographical sketch from the New Testament on none other than Stephen, not this Stephen, but Stephen in uh, Acts 6. And we're going to read this together, and then I'm going to try to break this down. And the theme that we're going to look at today is just this idea of having a missional heart, okay? Being a missionary, it's easy to preach a message on having a missional heart. Now, in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists, when the Bible says Hellenists, it's talking about the Greeks, okay, Grecian Jews who had converted to Judaism, uh, against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the 12 summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It's not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word, and what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Procurus, and Nicanor, and Timon, not Timon from uh, Lion King, but Timon, and Parmenas. And Nicholas, and a proselyte of Antioch, these they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. And those from Sicilia and Asia rose up and disputed with Stephen, but they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which Stephen was speaking. Can we just take a moment to pray together before we look at God's word? Would you just say this after me? Dear Jesus, speak to me today. In your name I pray. Amen. Now, the title today, they're going to put it on the screen, and I'm going to explain it. The title is Among the People, all right? The crown, the spirit, and the 80-pound barbell. Now, for those of you that were here last week, you heard a fantastic message by Michael with his 70-pound barbell. And those of you that know my physique know that I'm not even really able to carry a 70-pound barbell onto the stage. But I thought, why not just one-up it and do an 80-pound barbell, because that's how we roll. No, that's why I have the strike through, okay? Um, Because I cannot even carry an 80-pound barbell onto the stage. But I can't talk about Stephen, all right? So among the people, the crown and the spirit, Uh, Some of us are a little bit more academically inclined, so if you are on the intellectual side, uh, I came up with this title for you, Pneumatological Principles for Expansive Missiological Movements and Evangelistic Emphasis. But I know for most of us, that's a little bit (laughs) too deep, right? So we're just going to go with among the people, all right? Among the people. Is that okay? Are we okay with that? Okay, great. Thank you. Even if you're not okay with it, it's my message, so I'm going (laughs) to preach it that way, all right? So... um, To set this passage up, we kinda have to do a little bit of background, okay? So we're gonna go back to Acts chapter one, verse eight, all right, and remember that Luke is writing uh, the book of Acts, and he is the early church historian, okay, so he's going to take the reader on a journey from Acts one to Acts 28, and he's going to give us a specific thesis statement, all right? Now we see the thesis statement here. But you will receive power, these are Jesus's last words to his disciples before he's taken up to heaven, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses, witnesses, okay? In Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, okay? So Luke says, if you travel with me on this story, this epic saga through the book of Acts, I'm going to demonstrate to you that the purpose of the Spirit is to empower believers to be witnesses. And they're going to be witnesses in their hometown, which is? Jerusalem, right? And then from Jerusalem, they're going to go into Judea, and from Judea into Samaria, and into Samaria, to the ends of the earth. One person is with me, thank you, my sister. God bless you, all right? (laughs) Now, we pick up this narrative as it's been developing, if you trace through Acts chapter one through five, you see that the disciples got this really, really good when it came to Jerusalem, okay? They're preaching the gospel, people are coming into the kingdom, in Jerusalem. They're doing signs and wonders and miracles and people are getting healed and demons are being cast out. In Jerusalem. They're having all kinds of church expansion and priests are getting saved from the, from the Jewish faith. In Jerusalem. Okay? But the church has gotten stuck because we said the thesis statement, which has disappeared on the screen, is that the Spirit would anoint believers where? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. So Luke's message is that the church moves forward by the power of the Spirit, okay? Are we together so far? All right, awesome. Now, we pick this up with this understanding of the story of Stephen. And we know a little bit more about Stephen. We know that he's actually going to be the first martyr. Hopefully, at the end of this message, I'm not martyred. And Dennis, please don't throw any tomatoes at me. I'm teasing. But you have this opportunity here of understanding that Stephen was a witness. That's what the Greek word martyr means, martiros. It means witness, okay? So the Spirit is empowering Stephen to be a witness. Now, notice that God always uses specific people to accomplish his purpose. The early church is stuck. They're supposed to be moving beyond the circle of Jerusalem, but they're just exclusively focused in Jerusalem, okay? So God raises up Stephen, and I love this story so much because... Stephen is not an apostle. Stephen is not a preacher. At the beginning of this story, Stephen is 100% bona fide regular church member, okay? Are you guys tracking with me? He just sits in church, and one day the disciples recognize that there's a challenge going on, and so he gets appointed to this particular assignment that he is supposed to take care of the widows. Now, before I go too far down this message, there's some kind of a critical foundation that we have to lay here. Stephen understood something about his, who he was that enabled him to accomplish everything that we just read about. And what he understood is key. The key is this. Stephen understood that he didn't go to church. He was the church. Okay. Are you guys with me so far? Now, what do I mean by that? Well, the Bible says he went out among the people. Verse nine is talking about that he takes the church to other people who weren't part of the church because he knew that he was the church. He accomplishes great signs and wonders among the people. He shares Christ in the synagogue of the freedmen. He shares Christ in the synagogue of the Sicilians, among the people. He's going out. He has a specific function within his local body, right? We're talking about that. But at the same time, he's going out among the people, all right? Now I know this sounds basic, I know some of you are sitting here going, duh, okay? But stick with me, okay? I believe we still have this mindset 20 centuries later. And the mindset goes something like this. Hi. How are you? I'm good. What's your name? My name's Stephen. Hey, Stephen, Nice to meet you. I'm just preaching about you. Stephen, where do you go to church? Well, I go to church at Foundations Church. OK, awesome. What service are you in? Let's pick on first service, because this is second service, and they're not here to defend themselves, OK? So I go to first service. OK, great. Where do you sit? Well, I sit somewhere on the left side, behind the third pillar, under the third spotlight, so that if Justin or Steven go too long or whoever else, Michael maybe, with his 1,500 kamikaze sheep jumping over cliffs in turkey, and I don't like it, I can slip out the back door, right? How often do you go? Well, you know, I go maybe a couple times a month, but F.C.'s my church, baby, and Pastor Justin, he's my pastor, and I love my church. Woo! Okay, that was my best impression of Justin. Woo! Okay. (laughs) Now, on the surface, there's nothing wrong with that, right? Obviously, that's, that's fantastic. But under the surface, the problem is that people think that they have to come to the four walls of 4614 South Darlington in order to go to church. And Stephen comes along, and what we're gonna see in this passage of scripture today is he's gonna say, you know what, I understand that I don't just go to church, I am the church, okay? And so what happens when we have this understanding is that we have a breakdown and a compartmentalization in our lives. So Sunday's when we go to church, so we try to be all spiritual on Sunday, right, because we don't want anyone to know that we've been fighting with our wife all week, and we've maybe, you know, having, have, embezzlement going on the job god forbid or hiding secret sin but we come to church and we're like oh, i'm real spiritual i'm happy i love jesus oh no mountain you won't believe. yeah i love it right and so i i, I look at what's going on here and, and 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 the challenge is so many people have compartmentalization in their spiritual life because they don't realize that they are the church Everywhere you go, you are appointed and anointed and chosen to represent Jesus Christ. Like the word church in the Greek is ecclesia. It means those that are called out. And I know many of you here, you have told me your stories, how you were called out of darkness. You were called out of bondage. You were called out of sin. You have now been not only called out, but you have been called to, called to represent Christ in a missional capacity to a world around us, right? All right, so this is the foundation. If we don't get this component of it, then it's really hard to continue with the rest of this message. I remember when I was about 11 years old, the first time that the light bulb went on for me. For the first 11 years of my life, I tell people I had a drug problem. Mom and dad drug me from this service to that service and that service to this service, right? Because they're missionaries and that's what we did. We lived in church pretty much. I was invited to go witnessing with some of my friends. Um, I wasn't really into witnessing, but because they were my friends, I went along and my strategy was find the biggest guy in the group. Get in behind him, let him do it, and then pretend like I did something. And so I grabbed a pile of these tracks. We go out on the streets of Nairobi. There's this dude standing at the bus stop. Some of you may have heard me tell the story. He's smoking a cigarette. In my mind, you know, I know people can be saved if they smoke cigarettes, but in my mind, if that's probably the guy we need to go talk to. So I walk up to him, I put the track in his hand, and I hit the guy in the, next to me because he's whoop, and I'm, you know, you guys know who I am. <clears throat> and he goes uh, ah, and just freezes. And so I'm like, hey, Um, Jesus loves you, God has a plan for your life, boom, hit the guy next to me, like he's frozen. And so I was forced in that moment to share my faith with this guy, and at the end of it, I look back at my friend, and I'm like, hey, tell him about how I can give his life to Jesus. Right? He's just frozen. I tell the guy, hey, if you'll put your faith in Jesus, we'll pray with you right now. Would you like to do that? He said yes. He knelt on the corner of a busy street in Nairobi, Kenya, tears pouring down his life, surrendered his life to Jesus with two little 11-year-old kids. And my friend looked at me and went, how did you do that? And now it was my turn to go, right? <laughs> I walked away from that going, you know what? I am called to be the church everywhere I go, all right? So that's the, that's the foundational understanding of what's going on here. So everywhere Stephen goes, he takes Jesus with him to represent Christ. And Jesus uses this guy to get the church back in step with the moving of the Spirit, all right? So here's the question. What does the Spirit do in Stephen's life to get him moving forward as the church, And we're going to use this passage, and we're going to break it down a little bit. And I'm going to give you a couple of insights that came to me. This is not an exhaustive list. There would be multiple others that you could add to it, but this is my message, so I can preach it any way I want to. So the first one that I identified is this. The Spirit releases the body, or releases Stephen, into multidimensional kingdom expansion. I know some of you are going, what in the world does that mean? Because that's a lot of big words. All right. Can I break it down to one of our core values here at Foundations Church? Have you ever heard Pastor Justin or someone else say, growing people are changing people? Two people know that. Wow, that's great. Okay. Growing people are changing people is one of our core values here at church. Now, in the church, we have the tendency to think one-dimensional. Okay. What does a one-dimensional Christian look like? Well, I'm a Christian Christian. I go to Foundations Church on Sunday. I open up my billfold or use my iPhone. I give an offering. I sing a few songs. I walk out the back door of the church and my spiritual or religious obligations and responsibilities for the week are accomplished, right? So Stephen comes along and in this passage, we see that he's assigned a uh, one-dimensional post in the church. He is told, hey, Stephen, you gotta take care of the grumpy old ladies who are fighting with each other, Right? Now, Stephen does that. He is faithful in that. He's given a specific function and title. We call it a deacon in the church, is what the Greek is. Um, And with a title often comes certain responsibilities and limitations, all right? If we aren't careful, titles can become a label limiting us to a certain function in terms of who we are, what we can accomplish, and who God has called us to be. Now here's the thing about titles and positions. They do serve a purpose. I'm not knocking that at all. But they quickly limit us and constrict us into a particular role, right? You're the pastor of the church. You're expected to be pastoral. You're the guy in the church greeting team up front. You're expected to handshake. And if you do it for long enough, people just associate, hey, Justin Turnbow, he's the greeter in the church. And that's the only way that we see him, one dimensional. Are you guys with me? Now, what happens is we can become so monotonous and we can almost become robotic in our walk with God. I go to Foundations Church. I like the preaching there because Justin's a good preacher. I give money in the offering. I praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Now I go home. Right? And you, you end up, you end up this, this expansive life that Jesus talks about. I have come that you may have life and life more abundantly. And we live like little robots. Right? And so what happens is you see uh, Stephen here. Um, and he's appointed to this one-dimensional assignment. But he realizes because of the spirit working inside of him that the kingdom of God is multidimensional. Right? The kingdom of God is spirituality in my relationships. The kingdom of God is how I treat my wife. The kingdom of God is how I interact with my kids. The kingdom of God is Jesus' principles in my finances. The kingdom of God is Christ in my entertainment selection. The kingdom of God is living for Jesus in my workplace. The kingdom of God is, is, is multidimensional. It's financial. It's relational. It's emotional. It's psychological. It's spiritual. It's entrepreneurial, okay? So you have a multidimensional component of what the spirit is doing in in our lives. And so the spirit reveals this to Stephen and we see what happens here that yeah, he's 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 serving these widows, but he's also an evangelist, right? Later in the chapter he goes into the synagogue of the freedmen, which is kind of ironic because there's nothing free about them. And so Stephen wants to introduce them to true freedom that's found exclusively in Jesus Christ. Right, and then we see him in uh, later in chapter six. He's operating in the gifts of the spirit, signs and wonders and miracles. Um, if you go into Acts chapter seven, we didn't have time to read it. He's a historian. He's an apologist. Um, You come to the end of Acts chapter 8, he's a martyr, right? Not that anybody really wants to say, well, I'm a martyr, but at the same time, he was able to step into a multidimensional capacity. He's appointed to minister to these ladies, and these ladies, some of them come from a Grecian background, some come from a Hebraic background, so that means he must have spoken Greek, he must have spoken Hebrew. At the same time, Jerusalem was part of the Roman um, uh, Empire, so he must have known Latin, so you have this image of him being a polyglot or trilingual, where he's able to interact with people in all kinds of capacities, all kinds of walks of life, because he understood that the Spirit makes you multidimensional. Are you guys with me? What am I saying? I know that sounds like, ooh. What I'm saying is, because he's full of the Spirit, he refused to be contained to one dimension. Listen, Jesus is working on you every day. Did you know that? Did you know Jesus is working on you every day? Do you know that there's going to be a day that you're going to wake up and you realize that you're not the same person that you used to be? Why? Because Jesus is accomplishing his purposes in and through your life, and you have specific gifts and talents that you have been assigned for his glory and the kingdom. And the longer you walk with Jesus, the more he's going to show you how to utilize and how to develop those gifts and talents so that his name can be known more thoroughly through what he has assigned into your life, Right? And so I believe that's why many people leave church because they are stuck in these little titles and these little labels that I'm one-dimensional and they wake up one day and they go, you know what, I'm much bigger than just that and other people don't recognize it. And so I'm checking out, I'm gone. And the cool thing, what I love about Foundations Church is this, growing people are changing people. We believe that you are not just called to be a one-dimensional robot or a one-dimensional photocopy of somebody else. You are unique. You have talents, giftings, and abilities that nobody else can accomplish. And the multidimensional aspect of the spirit is that he is releasing Christ's image and Christ's glory in and through your life, your particular talents, like nobody else can accomplish. The second thing that I want to bring out here is this idea that the spirit uses conflict to accomplish expansion. The spirit uses conflict to accomplish expansion, okay? Now, I don't know how it is for you, but when I was uh, in college, a lot of people kind of had, this was like 12, 13 years ago, a lot of people kind of had the mindset of like, you know, we need to go back to the early church. That's what I heard a lot of people, my friends saying, I went to Oral Roberts University and which is kind of, we need to go back to the, or, the early church. The early church, man, the early, they were so amazing. The early church, they kind of like floated around on clouds and they like, you know, ooh, because they're so holy. They had angel wings and halo. There's never any problems in the early church because the early church, man, if we could just be the early church, right? You ever heard anybody talk like that before? Now, this is what's interesting to me as I look at this passage Did you notice when we were reading this that this passage is based on conflict? Anybody besides Dennis? (laughs) All right. Thank you, Dennis. (laughs) Conflict. What you see happening here is the Grecian widows are complaining against the Hebraic widows and they're saying, you know what? Something's not right because our widows aren't getting the daily distribution of food. Now, did you see what's happening here? This is more than just conflict. This is racism. Because the Grecians are sitting on this side of the table going, hey, we immigrated from our Grecian background, our Grecian worldview. We're in Jerusalem now. And because we don't fit the mold of what the church in Jerusalem looks like exclusively, our women are being overlooked. And who is responsible? It was the apostles, because the apostles come along and they say, well, okay, we can't focus exclusively on that. Whether intentionally or unintentionally, they had tolerated and fostered a spirit of racism within the early church. You guys with me? Now, do you still want to go back to the early church? We have this tendency to glamorize and idealize the early church and other situations, and the grass is always greener on that side of the, you know, that kind of thinking, And what you see throughout the entire story of the New Testament as Luke is going to pen this thing is he's not holding, he's not hiding anything. He's saying, this is real life. These are real people. These are real issues. And when there's real life, real people, real issues, you will have real, it's gone, (laughs) conflict. Are you with me? Now, watch how I'm going to try to illustrate this. I'm going to try to do it without spilling soil and dirt all over the ground here. Um, I'm going to suggest today that these little pots represent churches, okay? Now, the little stems that are sticking up are individual believers, right? Not right. You wouldn't know that. I'm telling you. <laughs> right. That is who they are. Okay. So I'm going to... have already picked on Dennis, so it's not fair to keep picking on him. Tony, can I pick on you a little bit? Is that okay? Okay, great. All right. So these are all the believers, and this is Foundations Church right here, okay? Now... What happens is, you know, sometimes churches grow. Yes or no? Yes. Has foundations grown? Yes. So what happens is the container that God uses to bring people into the kingdom starts filling up with more people, right? We've seen that illustrated here at this congregation. And so sometimes people who used to have a little bit more space and didn't get on each other's nerves, now they have to sit on the same pew with each other or the same row, Right? And they're like, oh, you're taking up my space, man. I've had this seat for five years. Who are you and why are you sitting in my spot? And I know nobody would do that in the second service. That was first service preaching, OK? So don't worry about it, all right? But here's Tony, OK? So let's say this strand right here corresponds to Tony. And here's Stephen, because I can use me and do this safely. And hopefully he won't be offended at me, because this is just an illustration, right? And so Tony says, Stephen, no, I don't like the way that you're preaching today, blah, 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 blah. And you really offended me, blah, 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 blah. And you know what? I've had it because of all these issues and all of this overcrowding. And this church just isn't the place that." It used to be. And so you know what I'm going to do? I'm done, right? And this is what happens all over Tulsa, all the time. I meet people all the time. And they go, oh, look at this church. This church looks good. I like this church. This church, oh, I love it. No, people will accept me understand me because this church definitely won't have any conflict because they're not really human beings, right? (laughs) And so they come and they plant themselves here. Now, notice what happens when you separate yourself You lose your roots. That's exactly right. Do you know how many Christians Bailey and I meet all over America who have lost their roots? And you know what happens? Conflict follows you. Conflict isn't just something that, like, it disappears somewhere in your past. If you're not intentional to solve the conflict and what's happening by the wisdom that the Spirit brings and being willing just to sit down sometimes and just talk to somebody and say, you know what? When you said this, this, and this, did you mean this, this, and this? And they say, no, I didn't mean that, that, and that. Oh. OK, problem solved, right? Or sometimes it is a bigger issue where you have to bring more people in. But the challenge is sometimes we leave, we uproot, we try to plant somewhere else. We realize it's the same issues. And then you know what we do? I'm done with church. I'm going to go live in my own little church. I'm going to start my own little church. Where I'm going to go to the lake. I'm going to sit out on the boat. And you know, I'm just going to get my spiritual experience while I'm just like floating on the waters and casting, fishing for fish. I like this church better. You know, it's just a matter of time before our little friend there shrivels up and dies. Are you guys with me? Now, we see this passage of Scripture that the Spirit is working reconciliation, and the Spirit always has a solution, right? And the solution that we see here is in verse number four the disciples said, You know what? We have to be intentional and focus on prayer and the Word, okay? Priorities. What are our priorities as believers? Our priorities are that we have to keep the main things the main things. Are you with me? Two people are. Praise God. That's wonderful. Okay, so what happens when it comes to keeping the main things the main things is I'm going to suggest what are the main things when it comes to our walk with God. Well, you have to have the word, and you have to have an ongoing prayer life where you're hearing from God, and God's hearing from you. Would you agree? Okay, now... The way I want to illustrate this is I just want to give you guys some quick tools that will help you. My suggestion is, my observation is this. Instead of separating yourself and shriveling up and dying, when conflict comes around, it's really an opportunity for your roots to go deeper. And for you to get stronger in your walk with the Lord. And walk in more love and walk in more kindness and walk in more of a of a of a presentation and representation of who Jesus is and the way that we do that is we have to be grounded and rooted in the word okay so when it comes to the word what i find is a lot of people have challenges here because they don't know how to read the word and gain the nutrition gain the uh, spiritual mm, development that Christ wants to release in us so um, you guys know that I'm a Bible school teacher, as well as one of the many things that I do. Uh, I was in Tahiti three weeks ago teaching principles of biblical interpretation. Into, uh, principles of biblical interpretation. I almost said it in French, principe d'interpretation biblique. I had to teach the class in French. It was quite a challenge. Um, suffering for Jesus in Tahiti is also a challenge, but that's a different story for a different day. All right. But here's 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 what I, I like to do with my students, okay? I like to tell them okay, when you're reading a passage of scripture, you need a minimum of at least four verses. Why? Because otherwise you have the tendency to pick and choose and pull verses out of their context. It's called I see Jesus when you <laughs> not I not I see Jesus, but I see Jesus, all right? And when you have when you do that, your tendency is you're reading your interpretation into the scriptures. That is not a correct approach, and that's no way to be able to develop and go deep in your roots. Instead, you have to have exegesis, which means you have a minimum of four verses, probably even upward to a chapter, and you're reading this thing and you're trying to identify what does this passage say, okay? So I, and I know this is so small, I should have gotten a bigger piece of paper, forgive me, okay? You can come and look at it after service. Uh, In the first column, you write observation, okay? During that period, you're just gonna read the passage, you're gonna try to identify what does it say. Okay? And you're gonna write down things in that particular column that correspond to that passage. So if we're talking about Stephen, when I was doing this exercise to prepare for this message, I was writing, okay, there's some conflict, what else does it say? Okay, it looks like there's some racism, okay? All right, then in the second column, you go to interpretation, all right? And this is the question, what does it mean? Because it's more than just what does it say, it's what was the meaning for the original audience? And so I'm writing in here, okay, you know, we're talking about um, expanding the kingdom, we're talking about um, uh, Stephen being able to step into a multidimensional kind of capacity, right? And then on the third column, I wrote application, what do I do, okay? So that's how you take the word of God and you make it more practical in your life. And I found people that implement this. Like, I remember when I lived in Madagascar and I taught that course, one of the, one of the guys in the class took this and he started using this for every single message that he preached because he was also a pastor. His church just went, because people were like, Whoa. Like, and people, this, is this complicated? This is not complicated. Get yourself a piece of paper and grow deep into the soil of the word of God when conflict comes, okay? Are you with me? Okay, great. Now, the um, next thing that I just want to bring out here on this passage of Scripture is this idea that he, the Spirit helps us. Uh, the Spirit, wrong one. The Spirit leads us to lost people. Okay, the spirit leads us to lost people. Now, we've already talked about this, right? Stephen was a member of his church. Stephen was responsible for the widows. But Stephen said, you know what? I have to take the gospel out among the people. I have to go to the synagogue of the freedmen. I have to go reach out to the Sicilians. I have to go reach out to the Alexandrians. I have to go reach out to the Asians. And I love that fact, again, that it's multicultural. It's multi-ethnic guys, did you know that Tulsa is becoming a multi-ethnic, multi, um, multi-linguistic city? Like someone was telling me the other day there's like 25,000 Burmese that live in Tulsa, Oklahoma. There's <laughs> like 15,000 Iranians that supposedly live in this area. I mean, this city is becoming multi-ethnic, multi and I love that because it corresponds so well to this passage where you have a regular church member who stands up and he says, you know what, the gospel, the power of the Spirit empowers me to be a witness. As a witness, I get to not only be a witness in Jerusalem, but in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, right? Now, we have another core value here at Foundations Church. It is this. Found people, find people. Great. It's a missional mindset. The application for this is next week. What happens next week? Easter. Easter. Okay, there are two Sundays in the calendar year when Americans are more open to going to church than any other time in the year. What would those two Sundays be? You guys are an amazing class. I'm going to give everybody a 95. For those of you that implement this, you'll get a full 100%. Okay? Okay. We have an opportunity to go invite people who are far from God and help them find the same God who changed our lives. Next Sunday, Justin, I know he has a word. Like, I know that man can preach the gospel like very few people I've ever met. What an opportunity for us to go and talk to family members, for us to go and talk to people at the job site, and just say, hey, listen, I go to Foundations Church, and if they're like, Foundations Church, show them some of the social media on Facebook. It's, some of it's funny, some of it's weird, but whatever. Hey, it's great. I love Bobby, and he's doing a great job, right? So just let's be, let's be his hands and feet. Let's go invite people to church. Is that hard? Maybe. Okay. But <laughs> we can do this. Um, I can't tell this story too Too extensively, three nights ago, um, I had the chance to sit down with a guy that I've been praying for for three years. He's not from America. He's not a Christian. He's from a different worldview and religion. I've been praying for him, and he just melted opened up, and we talked about Jesus, and is Jesus really the exclusive way to the Father, and how can you prove that, and how can you know that, and why do I need Jesus, and what about sin? Listen, I believe right now what's happening in our world, there's a shaking globally economically. You look at what's happening with terrorism in countries like France. You look about our, our nation where there's shootings that are taking place. People are on edge. People are like, what is going on? America's not the safe place that we thought it was, right? And I believe in that kind of vacuum in that kind of vortex is when the church of Jesus Christ shines the brightest. It's the opportunity for us to go out and say, you know what? The Spirit compels me in, to go out among lost people. God's doing something right now. I believe it. Um, Stephen is fueled for evangelism by the Spirit to be future focused. Now, I want to add to that core value find found people, uh, find, find people. And I want to say, found people are also future people. Okay? Found people are also future people. What do I mean by that? I mean, they use this life to invest in eternity. Is it, is it The Gladiator, maybe, that movie? I haven't watched it in a long time. He said, this life that we're in now, it's a dressing room for eternity. Is that something like that? Okay, it's not something like that. It's people are looking like, what? There's a quote in there, something to that effect. But the idea, basically, is that when you are out among the people, when the Spirit is working in your life to accomplish His purpose, He's going to give you an eternal kind of mindset where you recognize that the gifts, the talents, the opportunities that you have on this side of eternity are being used to gain a reward on that side of eternity. Okay? Now, we, we, we look at this and we illustrate this with Stephen himself. Stephen's name in the Greek is Stephanos. Okay? If you look up Stephanos in any good concordance, it will tell you that Stephanos means a crown. All right? A crown. Now, growing up in Africa, those of you that have heard me preach before, you know that I pretend to be an African-American because I was born in Africa. And anyway, it's my bad joke. As a kid in Africa, my mom identified all of our names as the members of our family. And she put them in a little, like, poster on the wall in our house. And so my brother's name is Adam. And it it was, you know, here's the name and here's the corresponding scripture verse. My name is Stephen, Stephanos from the Greek, means a crown. And then there was a passage of scripture that I saw almost every day of my life. Um, from 2 Timothy chapter 4. And this passage is Paul, and he's talking, right? And Paul's at the end of his life. Most Bible scholars say he's just a short period of time away from his imminent death. And he says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me. What was was that word? Stephanos? What does that mean again? A A crown. All right. So Paul's saying, henceforth there is laid up for me the Stephanos of righteousness. Which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Do you see what Paul's saying? Paul's saying, I've leveraged my life on this side of eternity. I've lived my life in such a way that I'm convinced that as I cross over this gap that we call death, on the other side of eternity over here, there is a reward. And that reward that has been prepared for me is a crown. It's a crown of righteousness. And I have lived my life in such a way that despite the opposition, despite the challenges, despite the conflict, despite the things that have come up, I know on that side of eternity there is a reward that is sure. And so you come back to Stephen, and it's interesting to me that Stephen's name means crown, right? And you see what happens in the next chapter, chapter 7, he's going to give an appealing defense of the gospel. The Jews can't stand it. They pick up stones. They kill this guy. He becomes the first martyr or the first witness for Jesus, like someone who's willing to talk about Christ even to the point of death, right? And we see that it's because Stephen is also future-minded, found people find people. And found people have a future mindset of storing up something on this side for eternity, right? And so we come to the conclusion of this story. And it's interesting, the um, people that were stoning Stephen, they took their cloaks and they laid them at the feet of a guy by the name of Saul or Paul. Does that ring a bell to anybody, right? And Saul's sitting there and he's approving it and he's going, yeah, we need to get rid of this guy, right? And then the same guy turns around, Paul gets gloriously converted. And I believe it was because he saw the way that Stephen was willing to take a stand for Christ. And Paul writes what we just read in 2 Timothy chapter 4. And he says, I'm living for a crown on the other side. Because I saw the man whose name was the crown live his life in such a way that I was compelled to also make my life count for eternity. Acts chapter 8 verse 1. Remember we started off this message today? what did we say? We said that when the spirit comes upon a believer, he makes them a witness. Is that ring a bell? I hope, okay. He makes them a witness. Where does he make them a witness? Help, remind me. Jerusalem, what's the second one? Judea, then where? Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth, which is world missions, which is what we're doing here at Foundations Church. You know, we're involved in Kenya. Kenya's been fantastic. God's doing some phenomenal things over there in Kenya, right? And, I mean, Bailey and I are headed there in a week and a half. We're going to follow up on church plant number three and church plant number four. We're also looking at different social strategies to be able to engage with local schools where we can start digging wells. And I have to be honest with you and tell you that I'm really, really excited about it and passionate about it, but I have to also tell you that it's possible for me as Stephen Kirk to look at my missional activity in the country of Kenya and go, well, I do missions, I am a missionary, I'm focused here, and therefore I'm off the hook when it comes to other people around me. You guys with me? And I think it's possible for us to sit in the, chairs here at Foundation Church and watch these amazing videos when Bobby and Justin are talking and it's like whoa and we give and we say like we are missional we are involved yeah this is awesome and it is please don't stop that's not what I'm saying right but what happens is you can easily begin to pat yourself on the back and say attaboy I've done what I was supposed to do and that you are I mean it is great to be involved in missions but we forget that there's lost people right here in Tulsa Oklahoma who need to have an encounter with Jesus so the spirit comes he empowers us he makes us a witness in Jerusalem. We said the early church, we said the early church got stuck in Jerusalem. We come to Acts 8, verse 1. I think it was up there a second ago. Watch what happens. And Saul approved of his execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church. Where? In Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea. You ever heard that anywhere before? Does that sound familiar? Judea and Samaria. Except the apostles. So Luke's saying, hey, this is how Jesus, this is how the Spirit got his church unstuck because they were focused on one particular sphere of the thesis statement that Luke was developing for the book of Acts. And so I bring this to a conclusion today, and you guys know when a preacher says that they're closing, it doesn't mean anything. (laughs) But in this case, it really does. Shannon, I'm gonna invite you to come back out. And I, I just want us, I know this is like kind of a deep teaching message today. But I also believe that Foundations Church, our best days are just ahead, and I believe that this city is so ripe for an encounter with Christ, and who better to show them the way than those of us who have experienced an encounter with Christ, right? And I just want to remind you, you are not a one-dimensional robot. I remember when the Lord started challenging me, Stephen, I want you to start writing. And I started to argue with him, Lord, I am a missionary, I don't write, Right? And I can tell you, I'm so glad that I took that step and began to actually write down some of the experiences that I've been through. Bailey knows this story. Not that long ago, I got a Facebook inbox from some lady on the island of Lebanon who was a refugee from Syria who said, I just read your book. Thank you so much. I am a believer, but I have suffered greatly because of persecution, and your book encouraged me. I don't say that because I've ever even been to Lebanon or Syria. It's just that when you step out of your one-dimensional robotic thing that I am going to live for God, be who you're called to be. You're not a photocopy. Right? Can we stand? Let's pray today. Can we just raise our hands before the Lord just as an act of surrender? Say, why do you do it? Just, just an act of surrender. Lord, we love you today. Lord, thank you that you're calling us to be among the people, not to be cloistered away and secluded away, isolated in the four walls of a church, but Lord, I believe you desire us to each individually be your church, be your representation, be your hands, be your feet in whatever arena and whatever capacity we find ourselves in. So Lord, I pray for my friends today. I pray for my brothers, I pray for my sisters. I pray Lord for those that may be challenged by this message that are saying I don't know how to do that, Lord. I pray today that by your spirit you would encourage them. Lord, you would strengthen them. You would give them, you would give them practical steps. Lord, for those that may be offended because foundations has changed a little bit and Lord, at the end of the day, when churches grow, they change. Lord, we all change. Lord, I pray that we would be intentional about the way that we walk out the conflict. That, Lord, we wouldn't be those who just abandon ship, pull up roots, and try to make it work somewhere else. When, Lord, there is no green pasture on the other side of the road. Lord, I pray that you would help us. I pray that you'd give us wisdom. I pray, Lord, that in the resolution of conflict, that, Lord, the kingdom would expand. People within this body would be released into new ministries and new opportunities to share Jesus Lord, we thank you for this. Before we close in prayer, I just, all eyes still bow, I closed. Is there anyone here and you'd say, you know what, um, Steve, I, I need to get right with God today. This message has really challenged me. I know there's talents. I know there's gifts on my life, but I've been using them to, 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 to do my own thing, to accomplish my own plan. I've been using them in the world. I've been using them just however, and I feel the spirit convicting me to make things right with my father today to get my life right with Christ. If that's you, we're not gonna embarrass you, but would you just slip up your hands so I can pray with you? Is there anybody today? And say, you know what, that's me. Before we go any further. Anyone? Okay. I didn't see you. Yes, one hand right there. Thank you, sir. Can we all just pray together? For those of you who may not have slipped up your hands and you know you need to make it right with God today, I just invite everybody to pray after me. Dear Jesus, thank you for speaking to me today. I love you. I confess that I need you. Would you forgive me my sin? Would you come in and change my life? Would you give me a new start? And would you give me the courage that I need to walk this thing out? In your name I pray. I want to invite the prayer team to come forward. We're going to pray for anybody that would like, um, would like us to lift you up and I, I, I just sense, guys, this is what I sense as I was preparing for this message. I sense there are entrepreneurs in this, in this church. I sense there are dreams, there are callings that you have, you, you've almost been afraid to step into. And if you really got honest, and I've heard people say this all the time, Christianity is so boring. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah, it's boring if you live in a one-dimensional robotic, I go to church, that's all I ever do. Yeah, of course it's boring. But when you step out into a multidimensional capacity of the Spirit expanding you, whew, I promise you, you won't be bored. You might be scared because the Lord's challenging you, but you won't be bored. So I just want to release a blessing over every dream, over every purpose, over every idea that God has called you to to walk in, over every calling that may not have been accomplished yet, that this is a new season over your life. God brought you to this place so that you can begin to dream, you can begin to expand, you can begin to grow, your roots can go down, you can be strengthened, and the kingdom of God can be expanded because you're being faithful to the representation of Jesus Christ through your life. Lord, I thank you. Bless my friends now today in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, I thank you that this word would resonate inside of our spirits. It would ring around inside of us throughout the week and even throughout the rest of this month and next and that, Jesus, you would continue to help us to get the understanding that we are the church. Lord, we thank you for this. In your name we pray. Amen.